Hello and welcome to the Ripples of Courage podcast. I am Rock, your host. Thank you again for joining me in this episode. And wherever you are or whatever you're doing right now, I want to send you so much love. And I wish that you're doing great. And yeah, so today's episode is a continuation of our series on cognitive biases or on how to think smarter. So for this episode, I'll be sharing examples of cognitive biases. And we will start with a thought experiment. And I will explain to you what the cognitive bias and perhaps give you a couple more examples. And then we'll discuss what are the ways that we can prevent ourselves from falling into the trap of falling into these biases. So let's begin with our first um, cognitive bias. So here's the thought experiment. So suppose, uh, suppose you're evaluating doctors. Let's say they are surgeons. Um, let's just say that there are two surgeons, one um, in the last week operated on five people and four of them were successful, one died. And then the other person also operated on five people, but only two were successful and three died. So what do you think? Who do you think is a better doctor? I'll give you a little bit of time to think about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So normally we would jump in the conclusion that what? That perhaps the better doctor is the first doctor. Because yeah, out of five patients in the past week, four survived and only one died. Right? That's a very good outcome. Whereas with the other doctor, only two survived and three died. Outcome is much worse. And that's a typical conclusion or like intuitive conclusion for most people. But yes, this is a cognitive bias. Or this could be subject to cognitive bias, which we call outcome bias. So outcome bias is a cognitive bias wherein we tend to judge decisions based on the outcomes, not on the decision-making process. So meaning, if the result is positive, we tend to think that the decision was correct or that the decision was good. And if the result is negative, the decision was bad or wrong. And somehow, again, parang intuitively, it makes sense. But that's where the bias comes from, right? So let's have another example. So let's say we are in a basketball game. It's a crucial game. And if our team scores, we win. And if we don't, then we lose a game. And so the coach makes a decision, comes up with a play, and probably makes substitutions. For example, 
and then it doesn't work. The team doesn't score and we lose. And it's easy for us to say that, oh, the coach made the wrong decision of substituting a player or probably the wrong the, the coach made the wrong play. It's just not the right play for that to win the game. And it's easy for us to make that conclusion. Um, on the flip side, another example, because remember, outcome bias is not just a bias or a negative outcome. It's also for positive outcome. So for example, we're trying to trade, no, trade. And we make a trade, we and then we make a profit. And then we start feeling like, oh, hey, this is good. I feel like I know this, I understand this. No? And then you make more bets and let's say, okay, you're still making money, making profit. And it's easy for us to make a conclusion that, oh, I'm making the right decisions with my money. I'm making the right decisions with my investment. I must be a good trader. <laughs> and so I can trade more and stuff like that. Um, so that's the thing. So we just judge the quality of the decision based on the outcome. Now you're probably wondering, and you know, why is this an issue? And on a man. So it's a problem because the thing with decision making is that we want to learn, right? We want to learn how good we are making decisions. We want to learn how to make better decisions in the future. And if we are falling into the trap of outcome bias, wherein again, we just focus on the outcome and we forget that there's so many other factors in play that is beyond our control that may actually affect the outcome that is not necessarily within the scope of our control of our decision. And, and when we fall into the trap of outcome bias, then we fail to learn how to make better decisions. So for example, like with the coach, the basketball coach, you just say, oh, the basketball coach made the wrong substitution. And so we make, we probably think that, okay, in future games, we shouldn't substitute the player towards the end of the game. Or probably that we shouldn't let this player um, shoot the ball for our last shot because this game was a failure, was a mistake. Diba? So we can jump into those conclusions which are not necessarily correct. And so we're not able to learn properly. We're not able to actually formulate or design a way for us to make good decisions in the future. And so how do we avoid this? No? How do we make sure that we're not falling into the trap of outcome bias and we're actually able to learn from our 
decisions and make better decisions in the future. So one thing we could do first is we should evaluate the decision-making process. So it's not just about the outcome, but it's the decision-making process that we should look into. So for example, um, sometimes as well, um, we evaluate like the outcome. And for example, you made a decision about something and the outcome wasn't good. And then you feel like, oh, I should have known this. I should have, you know, I should have made this decision because blah, blah, blah. Right. But if you look at the, if you evaluate your decision making process itself, then you're able to see like what were the actual information available to you when you were making the decision. Right. Because sometimes at the end of the thing, at the end of the decision, when you have the outcome, you learn more, you have more information and you feel like you should have made a better decision. You should have done it differently. But if you evaluate the decision-making process, you would realize, hmm, actually, I couldn't have made that decision that time because I didn't have this information. And so that helps. Um, that helps you learn or understand that actually the decision that you made, despite the outcome not working out, was actually a sound decision given the information that you had, right? So another thing you can do is to consider alternative outcomes. So what could be the other outcomes that could have resulted in the same decision? So for example, with the coach, the basketball coach, right? Let's say you substituted and put in this another player. Didn't work out. But what could have happened? This other player could have actually made the, the basket. Maybe this player actually has like, what, 75% of success in closing out games, which is why this person was put in the game. And so there's actually a good chance that they could have made the basket, right? Alternative scenarios is that maybe the other team, their player wasn't able to block the shot and that you could still have gotten the ball. Or that maybe, given that play, maybe you could have gotten a foul or something. I said, there could be many uh, results could have happened from the, the same decision. And maybe it just so happened that this one scenario wherein you lost was what happened. But probability-wise, probably you actually had better chance at being successful with the same decision. Whereas if you just, you know, make other decisions. Yeah. Also, we'd like with the trading example that I mentioned, right? Because it could just have been that, okay, I, it was a fluke, you know? I made a trade at the right time. It just so happened I made profits. 
but it doesn't mean that I am good. I'm a good trader because how did I really decide on choosing how much to trade, to trade, etc. Right? It could be that I didn't really have any system for deciding. I was just like, mm, whatever, <laughs> you know, just randomly choosing, and yeah, and and so the alternative results alternative scenarios where that i could have lost all the money right i could have probably lost some etc etc so it's very helpful to consider alternative outcomes so another thing that we can do and again this is so that we can make better decisions in the future is to actually learn from the mistake so meaning instead of just judging or like jumping into conclusion that oh that decision was wrong we can actually be more critical and see what really didn't work what could we have done differently what could be some areas of improvement right so it's not just saying that okay this decision was a mistake so for example for example the basketball example right so it was it wasn't necessarily a bad decision to substitute the player probably something else happened and we can look into the detail and really learn from that for example maybe the pass was wrong right so it wasn't the decision but it was something else or it's just a component of the decision making that you have to change in the future so those are the things that we can do to avoid outcome bias and and to make sure that you know we're learning from the decisions we're making and again it's not just for the negative thing but it's also for the positive things. If you think like, oh, we were successful. This is a great decision. I'm going to do this every time. So we have to catch ourselves and say, okay, wait lang. You need to see your decision-making process. Uh, consider alternative outcomes and to learn from the mistake by looking at the components, the details, and not just out so that is outcome bias so this next cognitive bias or fallacy is actually super common and i'm a victim of this <laughs> so i don't know if you can relate but we also like list or have your do list of things that you want to accomplish in a week or in a day and so you start your day looking at your to-do list and like or adding things on your to-do list and you think that you would accomplish them everything within the day and then at the end of the day you probably accomplish some and then the next day you make your to-do list again and you still you know add tasks and all and you feel like you can accomplish everything and probably you won't at the end of the day or 
another thing is, for example, you're creating a report. I don't know if you're a professional creating a report for your work, or probably creating a report for school, and you think, oh, okay, this takes about two days to make, right? But when you start doing it, you realize it takes more than two days. <clears throat> or probably you have a project and your timeline says that it should be done in three months. But then it takes you more than that. And this is very common. And this is called the planning fallacy. So the planning fallacy is a cognitive bias that causes us to underestimate the time and the effort required to do something. It could be a task or it could be a project. So this bias often leads us to making overly optimistic plans or timelines. And we tend to fail to account for contingencies or potential obstacles along the way that may cause delay. And yeah, it's very common. Um, and it's funny, like for me, um, it's funny because, yeah, I'm a victim of that. Um, I tend to like feel in the day with so many things that I think I can do. But, you know, there are things that don't get done. Some other common examples would be like, for example, you're visiting a friend or you're going to a trip and you're trying to estimate your travel time. And you think that, okay, you're going to be there in three hours, but you know, lo and behold, it takes you four hours. And that's because you forget to account for traffic, account for whatever delays, probably something happens on the road, probably an accident somewhere, or there's rain. Or probably it's harder for you to catch the bus, taxi, or whatever, right? And it's it, it still falls as an example of a plan fallacy. So you're probably wondering, why do we have this bias? Or what's in play? Why do we tend to underestimate what tasks require, what projects require right one of the reasons one of the things is probably <laughs> wishful thinking of course we want to be optimistic right we want to be successful and so we tend to be too optimistic about our planning because that's like our ideal like the ideal thing for me is to finish this paper in two days and we hope that 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 is what happens um and so yeah we allocate that much time for that um another reason is that sometimes we're just too focused on the thing and we forget to look at the external factors so for example we have a project we have a and then we're trying to plan for the project and we have a timeline and we only think about like, what are the things that I'm going to do? What are the things that are part of this plan that 
you know, we're considering and we're only thinking about those, those things. So sometimes we fail to think about, hmm, how about the people that I'm going to work with? Or like the organization I'm going to work with. What about their timeline? Can I just really assume that everything's going to work perfectly on their end? And nothing's going to cause delay on my end, right? Things like that. We forget to anticipate, for example, that there's probably going to be rain on some days. And then those days, probably we will not be able to do the stuff. And like, for example, and, and, and this is really so common, like when we plan our day and we have all these things lined up for the day. And we feel like we have full control over the day because especially if you're working at home, like, you know, I decide on my time. And then, you know, things happen. A visitor comes and now you're distracted. Um, probably if you have kids, they have some issues you have to attend to. You have pets, they have, you know, things you need to attend to. And if you're working in the office, which um, this used to happen to me a lot before, like, I have, a, you know, a good things planned out for the entire day, but, you know, People come to your to your place and ask you questions, ask for help, or you get called for a very important meeting and your plan is now out of the window. <laughs> so sometimes, yeah, we're just so focused on ourselves and like the project and think we think that, you know. We're in control of everything and we forget about all the external forces. <laughs> so, how can we avoid falling into the trap of the planning fallacy? So, there's a couple of things that we can do and I'm going to share them. And one of, of them is consider past experiences. So, we have to take account or if you can like make a record i actually did this because i mentioned that i also suffer from this experience this not to say that i don't anymore but yeah i think i think i've done a little better so considering past experiences meaning if possible like try to record how much time does it really take you to do something so i actually even got myself timer so that i got myself a timer so that i can record the time i'm spending on specific tasks and um what i do what i did was to like make an ex estimate okay this is the test i'm gonna do i'm estimating this to take two hours and then i um i record my time and I just check how good or bad I am at planning and like had this like um, like a percentage of variance like uh, I'm usually like 30% less. I mean, I estimate, my estimate is 30% less than the actual time it requires me. And it just helps, gives us no data for how we should be adjusting our estimation 
And so the, we can calibrate basically. And so like when I estimate something that I'm going to do, I try to add 30% more. Actually, I do like 50% more. Um, yeah, but but I'm finding that, okay, I'm overestimating a little bit on some things. And you will also find that there are things that you overestimate or things that you underestimate. Probably there's more things that we underestimate. And maybe the things that I overestimate are just, you know, maybe it's just a result of me um, being scared that, you know, this happens and I try to overestimate now. But yeah. So yeah, consider past experiences. If you can make a record, so that you have a data for how much time things really take, then that could help with your planning. So another thing we can do, as I mentioned earlier, we tend to focus on our project and like the things we can control. And so the other thing that we can do is to actually think about the, all the other external factors to consider the things that may influence our ability to do the work within the timeline or within the hours that we think can. And another thing we can do, and I think this is already quite common, is to do a pre-mortem. So that means pre-mortem means before death. So how we can do this is, for example, uh, we can ask ourselves or try to imagine like, okay, um, a year later, so we've done the project and a year later, it's a failure. It's a disaster. We didn't achieve it. What could have been the reasons for that? And then now we start to we start to imagine things. We start to think of all the things that could happen that could actually prevent us from achieving our goal within the timeline that we have planned. And by um, identifying those things, then we are now able to first make some contingencies like, okay, these things may happen. And probably this is my ideal timeline, but maybe I need some buffer because things can happen. Also, because we have identified them, we can actually put in place some things or some um, plans for how we can navigate through those challenges. Like, okay, maybe if my partner, if there's delay in my partner, then, you know, things are gonna not going to move. Then maybe you can think about, okay, what are my alternatives? Maybe my plan B is to, while waiting for this partner, maybe I can look for other partner. Maybe I can work with this other partner. Or maybe we can do this instead, instead. And things like that. And so we are preparing ourselves for all these other things that might happen so that we can still complete the project within the timeline we're thinking, or at least maybe we can adjust the timeline into a more realistic one. <laughs> right? So, yeah. So we're going to end here for now. 
um, I hope you enjoyed um, the conversation and you learned something and I hope that you know we can catch ourselves and prevent ourselves from falling into these um, cognitive biases that we have discussed so yeah thank you so much for joining me again and I hope that you join me again in the future episodes so if you're enjoying the podcast um, I hope that you can subscribe wherever you're getting the podcast and you can also subscribe to our social media um, accounts and if you have ideas you want to discuss questions feel free to send us your ideas and questions and again thank you so much and hope you have a wonderful time